Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that explores the secrets to living a vibrant and fulfilling life. I'm your host Avik and I'm thrilled to have a very special guest joining us today. It's Al Lyman. So welcome to the show. Avik, hey, thanks so much for having having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you. That's great. That's great of you. Uh, but before we start I'll definitely love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh at the age of 25 Al made a life-changing decision to die healthy and embarked on a lifelong quest for good health, vitality and the longevity. So his journey led him to finish dozens of marathons, conquer nine Ironman triathlons and even write a book titled Age Well and Feel Great. The proven path to solving the aging puzzle at the age of 62. so but yeah el's story goes far beyond his athletic achievements from overcoming the adversity including being bullied and near fatal drowning to uh, facing ptsd and learning to swim at 36 he has learned the importance of feeling forward being a lifelong learner and never giving up so throughout his journey el has been on a daily mission to transform not just his own existence but countless others into a life of vibrant longevity so he's not a doctor or a researcher but his wealth of knowledge and personal experiences make him a true uh, authority i would say on how to live a healthy life rooted in the basics of nutrition movement and the exercise so from owning and operating a get analysis lab to becoming an author and passionate health advocate al's ultimate goal is to extend not only his lifespan but more importantly his health span so he wants to continue doing what he loves with the people who matter most until his very last day so today al joins us to share his incredible journey his insights on healthy aging and anti-aging strategies and the lesson he's learned on how to live a vibrant and the healthy life so his passion for sharing what he's learned will undoubtedly inspire and empower us all to take charge of our health and well-being so without further ado let's dive into this captivating conversation with the vibrant the resilient alleman so welcome to the show again al <laughs> hey Vic, thank you that was incredible what a summary <laughs> Yeah it's 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 true and I'm just surprised like 
how it's possible in that age doing everything which people often think of and it's it's not i haven't seen people achieving all those things so i wouldn't say it's easily but having that courage to acquire all those so hats off to you so it, it's incredible okay. i would say Thank you. I think I think it's you know my mission and passion, and certainly the reason I'm here on this earth. I I believe is to is to help others and share what I've learned for whatever reason. I mean, certainly it was a little unusual for someone in their mid twenties to even think about uh, you know the day that they might die. Uh, hopefully, you know, God willing, it was a day very, very far off into the future. It's not a topic that many of us want to talk about, right? I mean, uh, it's it's not exactly the topic that comes up at the dinner table, you know, like, hey, let's talk about how we're going to die. Um, it just isn't. But the reality is that I believe we need to think about the choices we make every day with the end in mind. In other words, you know, much like a business, right? I mean, I'm sure uh, any of your listeners that have businesses out there, you plan your exit strategy, right? You think about uh, how you want your business to look uh, once you've, you know, sort of built it. And it's a similar way to that, you know, that I think about health. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So this will start like, if if you can share your personal journey of deciding to die healthy at the age of 25 and how it has influenced your approach to aging and wellness you know avik when i when i think back on the memories that i have from those years hmm. uh, in my 20s having just started a running program because i wanted to improve my fitness and and just you know try to get uh, try to be more active and just try to improve my health for whatever reason, I I noticed the people around me, specifically my parents and their friends and some of my other family members, I just noticed and became more aware of ill health around me. And I noticed the way people were suffering, how disease or dysfunction, low back pain, you, you know, those kinds of things tended to detract from the joy of living it detracted from any person's ability to just you know enjoy life to enjoy their experiences to enjoy their friendships to be able to go to work and be productive and i wanted something better for myself and so i think it started there with this simple idea of awareness i sort of came to this conclusion which i i really believe is now the the, the main message i want to share which is Nothing else in life matters nearly as much if we don't have good health first, right? I mean, the idea that we place all of these other priorities, whether it's money or relationships or, you know, our social, whatever it may be, certainly our career. I think there are normal paths that we go on as we work through the different chapters of life. But good health is the foundation for it all, because when we get that diagnosis or when we have that pain, that doesn't go away. Uh, that diagnosis that shocks us, right? And all of a sudden the prescription medications may start to add up. Our life changes and not for the better. And it detracts from everything else. And ironically, as I say in my book, I don't think there's anybody listening right now that would volunteer, you know, to say, 
hey, I think I'm going to, you know, today I'm going to wake up and I want to be a burden to someone else that I love or that I care about. <laughs> Nobody makes that decision. But ironically, when when we start to struggle with illness or disease and dysfunction, we, you know, sort of become burdens to those we least want to burden emotionally and certainly physically, functionally. So what starts is a cascade and it's a negative cascade and it and it tends to be cyclical and it tends to build upon itself and certainly when we look right now because when i was 25 is a very different period of time than it is now post covid certainly looking at ill health in our society certainly here in the united states now where 80% or more people are metabolically unhealthy arguably pre-diabetic there are some serious health issues and uh, the pharmaceutical industry is certainly benefiting because they're profiting from all of the prescription medications that people are on. But the side effects from those medications and the fact that ultimately they don't address the root cause is what is really hurting our health short and long term. So the message is to get to the root cause, to begin to address those things. And that's a, you know, that's a myriad uh, you know, a myriad of elements that are involved in that. It's a process. It's a journey looking at how we think, the stories we tell ourselves, our ability to change habits. I believe resistance to change havoc may be the biggest, like most powerful force in the universe. Nobody wants to change, but we also don't want to get that diagnosis that shocks us and scares us to the point where we're now forced with having to change or suffer the consequences. We want to be a little bit more proactive, make some smart choices and decisions a little bit earlier on, and hopefully change the trajectory of our lives so that we have the best opportunity to live a, not only a long life, but a healthy life. Because certainly in, in this day and age, the topic of longevity is certainly one that dominates a lot of you know the twitter sphere and uh, different social media platforms there are a lot of companies that are developing drugs that they hope will extend our lifespan but i think you would agree nobody wants to live longer if that means that they're in more pain for a longer period of time or that they're suffering for a longer period of time um it's really about our health span it's about the amount of years where we can be vibrant, feel good, live a vital life, pursue our passion, uh, the reasons for getting up in the morning, uh, share with you know those around us and support those around us and make memories, be there with our loved ones for um, you know for the the moments in life that really matter. You know, I have this vision of being at my great grandson or great grandson you know great granddaughter's wedding or college graduation not just being alive then but actually being able to be there and participate imagine the memories that can be created and the legacy that can be left i think that's my why wow that's that's definitely true i would say that's really great and uh in your book um age well and feel great the proven path to solving the aging puzzle uh, you discuss about the healthy aging anti-aging strategies so what are some of the key principles that listeners can start incorporating to, into their daily lives today 
Well, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll first say that whatever changes we might want to make, whether it's to the food we eat, to the movement or exercise that we get, uh, to the thoughts we think that, in effect, create the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, mm. um, whatever those things might be, the first recommendation I have is to, to really focus on small changes. Certainly, there's a lot of science uh, that exists in this day and age about habit formation and how to change habits. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest pitfalls is that whatever someone might want to change about their daily lifestyle or habits, the inclination is to do too much too soon, to bite off more than we can chew, because motivation may be very high at a certain point in time. We may say, you know what, I need to do this. But when we try to bite off too much, right, when we try to, to change too much at any one time, the odds of us being consistent and staying with that change for any period of time is reduced, I think. So I think, you know, start there. In the book, I actually say that the change should be so small that it's almost imperceptible. Because when it's almost imperceptible, it's easy to be consistent with. For example, if I if I if I'm sitting on the couch or in a chair yeah. most hours of a day. I don't want to immediately say, oh, I'm going to start walking for an hour a day or I'm going to start a full on strength training program or God forbid, I'm going to start running. You know, no, I mean, if you're if you spend most of your time in a chair, then just getting up and moving for one minute consistently, steadily for one minute, it sounds so small. Right. But in reality, if you can do that and then be consistent with it day in and day out that is going to be hugely powerful because you'll start to feel the benefits of that. That'll provide a little bit of motivation to continue. And then you can build on it from there. So that being said, you know, despite the back, the fact that my, my background is in exercise and movement predominantly, I believe that the foods we eat are the largest determinants of our long-term health. You know, I, if I would place food, at number one and, and exercise and movement at 1A. It's, it, they're very close. So when we look at the food we eat, Avic, it's so simple, but yet at the same time, it's very challenging because of course we have different cultural backgrounds, different foods that are part of our you know, normal uh, environment. But really I would start, when it comes to food, I would start with something very simple, which is this, eat, real food only start there try to replace one food in your diet that isn't real food it may be processed packaged in a wrapper uh it may have a very long shelf life um in some way if it's some kind of industrialized food certainly many or most fast foods um, replace one of those foods with something that is a real food um, and, and by that, of course, I mean something that comes from the ground or something that is uh, animal sourced, uh, something that has a very, very short ingredients list. You know, beef has just one, you know, one ingredient, beef, that's it, right? Or certainly a plant uh, food. If we, you know, organic is ideal, but it's not necessary, especially as we change from the beginning. So real food 
real whole food versus processed or industrialized food is where we want to start. Because certainly when we look at processed foods, uh, there's there's a, there tends to be a lot of added sugar. There tends to be, uh, man, you know, in the manufacturing process, there tends to be the inclusion of uh, vegetable seed oils, which are not healthy for us for many reasons, um, and a variety of other, you know, added preservatives and chemicals, which over a period of time really have a detrimental effect on our health. So I think it starts there, eat real food. And I think certainly for the rest for, for the rest of, you know, any of your listeners that are aging, that might be, you know, my age, 63, or even in their 50s, we want to start by focusing more on protein, ironically. As we age, our need for protein increases and our body's ability to absorb those proteins and process those proteins and actually uh, manifest them through digestion into into amino acids that our body can utilize to replace and, and rejuvenate tissue. Everything in our body, of course, is made from protein. Um, those things are, become harder as we get older. So the target I like to aim for is 100 grams of quality protein a day. And so when I'm talking to a group of people that might be in their 40s or 50s or even older, I say start there. Start by uh, eating just real food or at the very least replacing one processed food with a real food, whatever it may be. And then secondly, focus on protein. Try to get 100 grams a day, which actually is not that difficult, depending on the kinds of foods that we like to eat. And in my book, I say, listen, there's no such thing as a bad food. I, there's a chapter in the book that's titled vegetarians versus meat eaters. Who's right? And so I juxtapose these two topics because, you know, either or uh, on either side of that pendulum as it's swinging, you have really passionate people that really believe, you know, vegan is the only way and the carnivores, you know, meat eating is the only way. And the reality is, I think you can get nutrients looking at either approach. I think it's a little more challenging if you're on a strictly vegetarian diet to get the protein that's, uh, you know, that's available to us. Uh, especially through digestion, you know, uh, animal source proteins are just more bioavailable as a rule. And that, and certainly that's true as we age, it becomes more difficult, but at the end of the day, it's about the quality of the food. It's not about, you know, getting into one, uh, you know, extreme approach to eating or the other. And along the same lines, I don't believe we should remove uh, entire food groups from our diet. So I think of myself as, a plant-based meat eater, meaning I eat a lot of vegetables, uh, and I certainly look to those for phytonutrients uh, and methylation adaptogens, which are basically molecules that help with certain aspects of aging. We get those from you know through a variety of of plants. Those are really important. I was, I was talking to my girlfriend this morning about. We need to go get some celery because celery happens to be a fantastic source of nitrates, which is really important for us, especially as we age. 
So certainly, I think vegetable sources, plant sources are extremely important for all of the nutrients. But at the same time, I believe I happen to believe that that beef and red meat is a really good source of concentrated nutrients as well. I'm a big believer in that. So I think when we remove entire food groups from our diet, we're challenged to try to still get all of the nutrients that we need. I think at the end of the day, when we look at um, you know, our ancestors and we look at the history of uh, the evolution of our species, we see that humans are, for the most part, omnivorous. They they tend to eat, they tended to have eat whatever food is, is available to them. And along the same line, we it, I think it would make sense, I'm sure you would agree, um, it would make sense that if if we look at the history of our species, it was probably the case, let's say, a uh, hundred thousand years ago, or maybe a million years ago, that there wasn't food around every street corner, right around every tree. Uh, that it was uh, probably normal for humans at that time to go some period of time without eating before they were then exposed to food, and then they would eat. Uh, but then there might be another period of time where they would go some period of time without food. I think that's a very normal way to approach eating. So in the in my book, I have a chapter on time-restricted eating, which is sometimes referred to as intermittent fasting. Um, but I think the idea of eating less frequently is hugely important. And the, the mechanism behind why that's so important is, as I'm sure you're aware, is we can normalize insulin which I think of as that master hormone, because when we put food in our mouths and we start the digestion process, we get a rise in blood sugar, which results in a secretion of insulin. And we know now that elevated insulin levels in the bloodstream lead to resistance of insulin, insulin resistance and hyperinsulinemia. In the book, I say that this is the root cause of most chronic disease. I don't know whether that's exactly true or not, but I think it's probably pretty close to being true. We certainly know uh, mitochondrial health is another important factor that really we're really starting to connect. When I say we, I mean the science and researchers are starting to connect the dots and all of these chronic diseases that we're looking at, there seems to be a similar thread of mitochondrial dysfunction, the mitochondria being the little organelles inside of our other cells, which uh, tend to be thought of as the powerhouse of the cell, but in reality have many different roles. So what have I, to summarize what I've shared with you over these last few minutes, eat real food, try to eliminate processed food, try to eat a little bit less frequently. Uh, and certainly when you're eating real food, there's less processed sugar, which means you're going to have less cravings. Uh, and you're going to be much more satisfied. It's it's very easy for me to go 15 to 18 hours without eating. Um, but if I were to eat more processed food, more crackers, more processed sugar, uh, any of those kinds of things that typically come in a box, after a couple hours, I might feel those cravings or my stomach might be talking to me like, go ahead and eat again, you know. Uh, the food industry loves this because that means we're going back and buying these foods. But but the reality is it's not healthy for us. So I hope that I hope that sort of summarizes that approach. It's it's really I think of as very common sense uh, at the end of the day. But unfortunately, we live in 
you know, a world now where there are messages constantly to eat, 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 eat frequently all the time. And we tend to reach for the foods that we think taste good and that are also convenient. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So also like many people fear the aging process. Now, um, how can we shift our mindset to embrace the aging as a natural and the beautiful part of the life? Well, that's the billion dollar question, right? I think if I could, if I could, you know, take a minute to just reflect on what I've noticed and what I've seen is if I, you know, it's, it's not that hard to, for example, sit in a restaurant and overhear a conversation and there might be a couple of 40 year olds, uh, chatting or maybe you'll see something on social media and it's i think it's common at that stage of life let's say around 40 to start to feel the effects of what i think of as the indignities of aging maybe you're a little bit more stiff uh maybe the things that you just took for granted uh for in your 20s the fact that you could you know stay out all night and get up the next day and be really productive <laughs> you know which is easy to do in your 20s not so easy in your 40s um, when these quote unquote indignities of aging start to appear, I think the stories that we often tell ourselves, or as I said, that you might overhear someone else talking about or discussing on social media, the stories we tell ourselves are that this is normal for us, right? That we should expect to feel a certain way at a certain stage of life. And when we expect it to be bad or to be for there to be a decline, um, then we're less apt to act in, you know, in a way that where we might express a belief that, hey, this isn't normal, that we shouldn't necessarily feel this way, that these things aren't something that we should settle for. You know, I love the way that Mark Manson, uh, the author, phrased uh, phrased it when he talked about it. And I and I refer I actually reference him in, in my own book. Uh, where he's he often talks about this idea that each of us is trying to balance self-improvement and self-acceptance. And too much of one or the other is problematic. So it's accepting and embracing whatever phase of life we're in, which can be a challenge depending on where, you know, what that phase is, while at the same time trying to maximize. Uh, and not accept that we should feel a certain way at a certain age. I can certainly tell you, you know, in my book, I tell the story of my dad who passed at 65 from cancer. And there's a picture of him at, at age 59, four years younger than I am now. And he looks like he's 85. He really aged uh, rapidly and it was really tough to watch, to be honest with you. And the fact that I'm sitting here right now at 63 and I feel like I can do anything uh, that I want. I mean, I'm stronger than I've ever been. Um, so I don't feel any limitation whatsoever that, you know, should I decide to wake up tomorrow and go off and, you know, uh, go on some adventure, whatever it might be. I don't feel a single, a single a limitation as to what, you know, like 63 to me is the same as 43. Uh, now, Listen, I'm not I'm going to be honest, I, I can't run nearly as fast as I used to. There are certainly changes that have occurred. So in my mind, I'm I'm working to try to balance accepting where I am now, understanding that I've got more wisdom now 
a, a greater understanding of these changes that occur, but at the same time, uh, not placing limits on myself and understanding that, sure, I have to earn the right to be able to have that freedom. I have to, I work hard every day. Um, but I think there's, it's, it's that, you know, it's that challenge of balancing self-acceptance and, and self-improvement and every phase of life, I think provides incredible gifts, but are we ready mentally to embrace those periods of time? Um, I hate the phrase anti-aging for this reason. Uh, and I mentioned this in the book. To me, and the phrase anti-aging sort of glorifies youthfulness and makes us somehow think that whatever phase of life we're in, that we should be in a different phase, like that it's all downhill at a certain point. And certainly changes occur, but it doesn't have to be all downhill. And I'm not saying that's easy, Avik. I mean, I think we all have to work on rewriting the narrative in our mind about what each phase of life means to us. And then, of course, the key is taking the action, right? Meaning, for example, what, do we, what have we learned from the blue zone regions of the world, the regions where there are more centenarians than any other region, you know, the island of Okinawa or Sardinia outside of Italy? As, as two examples, we see people in these regions that wake up every day with a mission, with a purpose in their life. They have a reason to get up, something that drives them. I don't like the word retirement because to me, retirement means uh, I'm gonna just let life passively happen to me rather than actively engaging in something that is, is meaningful to me. Having a reason to get up in the morning, something that drives us. Uh, beyond just enjoying retirement, which can get really tired, uh, I, tiresome, I think. I mean, no matter how much you love golf, you can't keep playing eight hours a day of golf and thinking that, you know, that's all there is to life. Uh, we need we need more there. So I think, you know, that aspect is just one of many that will allow us to really embrace every phase of our life and try to make the most of it. Of course, the key is we don't want to reach a point where we look back and go, wow, I, I wish I did things differently because now I'm faced with this health problem and um, I wonder what I can do about it, right? That That's not an enviable position for anyone to be in. Wow, that's, that's a lovely explanation, I would say. And it's all total, uh, it's true. So also one more thing is coming to my mind, like as you have already explained it um, in detail. So I really love that. And uh, one thing is coming to my mind, like as we age, social connections become even more critical. So now how can we foster that meaningful relationships and a sense of community to support our well-being as we grow older? Well, I mean, that again, you know, interesting question. You know, I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure I entirely have the answer to that. You know, I, I certainly believe that we need to start by caring for ourselves, by honoring our health, by doing the things that we need to so that we can be there for other people. Um, you know, we again, the idea that we go through these phases of life, you know, it's it's um I think in the book, I talk about what is for many people, the ideal or perfect life 
life path, you know, the pursuit of education. Perhaps you meet somebody you want to spend your life with. Perhaps you start a family. Uh, you can hopefully have a home. Uh, if you if you're you know able to do very well and you know your career or whatever line of work you pursue uh, allows you to grow in that way. So you go through these phases, but at the end of the day, in the midst of all of that, what is often chaos, we still have to care for ourselves. We still have to to make sure we pay ourselves first, meaning uh, you know care for our health, get the exercise even a few minutes a day uh, that we need, try to eat better foods, um, work on our ability to, you know, and, and just the thought patterns that we have, the things that we think about, our belief systems, uh, and certainly all the other little details, the pieces to the aging puzzle, whatever. Uh, and there are many of them, obviously. Uh, and I think when we do all of those things, I at the very least, I think we're available for other people um, and we're able to make more of these social connections because I, I do think you're absolutely right. They become more important as we get older. Uh, and, you know, certainly uh, as our life experience expands, we realize that it really is these connections. It's the conversations, hopefully, that uh, we're having and the way that we're there to support others and hopefully make the world a better place. That's, you know, that's absolutely the most important thing. But when we're sick or in pain, uh, we can't do either nearly to the degree that we would like. Great. That's great. So, um, okay. So what are some of the um, simple but uh, powerful daily habits that listeners can adopt to promote the healthy aging and overall well-being? Well, simple as I, you know, obviously I, I alluded earlier to, you know, making simple changes in the foods that we're eating um, and just being more aware. I think that's hugely important. I mean, really, Avic, it starts to a large degree with awareness and along with it being what I think of as a lifelong learner. We need to learn a little bit more about what are the best ways to exercise for each of us? What do we enjoy? Uh, what can we fit into our routine that, you know, sort of matches uh, and works with our life rather than becomes a burden, one more burden that we need to try to fit in uh, because exercise shouldn't be that way. So I used that, you know, that word a moment ago, awareness, and I think that's huge. For example, being more aware of the thoughts that we have uh, and the stories that we tell ourselves. It's interesting in this uh, I have a coaching program um, that's a 12 week program. It's called the beat aging uh, beat. The word beat is, is an acronym for belief, uh, encouragement, accountability, and taking action. And there are, there are five pillars in the program, but it's interesting that the first two letters in the word beat, belief and encouragement, uh, are related very much to, to awareness, uh, what I mentioned earlier. So to make it very practical, what are the thoughts that you're thinking and what are you telling yourself about this aging journey you're on and, and your life and your health? Are you blaming whatever ailments you have on your family history? Because that, that's not going to work. That doesn't, that doesn't fly. 
right? Um, it's not about family history and it's not about your DNA. Those are, you know, that, that's a factor, right? But it's one of many. So we, it starts with believing and reinforcing this mindset that we have control, that there are things that we can do that can help influence how the second half of our life is going to play out. So it's, it's about our belief systems. It's about the thoughts we have. It's about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Um, are we bailing out and just, you know, making excuses and saying, you know, this isn't, you know, this is the way it is and there's nothing I can do about it. Cause that, cause that's just not going to help. And then the second letter is encouragement, right? I think we all need more encouragement. And I, uh, I'm a firm believer that we need to encourage ourselves more. So, imagine for a second you're sitting there and you don't exercise at all Let, let's just hypothetical right let's say that you're just at your desks you never you're not you're not moving you don't strength train none of that but you make this decision you're going to start to to incorporate exercise so you decide to get up from your your desk uh, and you get down on the floor and you try to do one push-up and you struggle with it but you get through it so you stand back up at that point, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, well, that that wasn't very good. That sucked. I mean, boy, you are weak. You know, why are you bothering? Right. Because that's that's one way to frame that. Yeah. But what if you said to yourself, nice work, Avic. Great job. You just did something that is so like you've never done that before. I'm so proud of you. Uh, pat yourself on the back. You know, a little round of applause. I mean, it sounds silly, maybe, but the reality is that if we encourage ourselves more, right, if, we, if we're willing to pat ourselves on the back for the tiniest little victories, wins, as I like to say, and we have them every day, then I think that's going to help us to continue to take those actions rather than listening to that negative voice inside our brain that's telling us it's just a waste of time and not worth whatever trouble we might want to go through. Uh, so to me, those are those are huge, right? Our belief systems, are we reinforcing what we have control over? And are we letting the rest go? And are we encouraging ourselves more? And are we surrounding ourselves with people that encourage us? And are we encouraging others? Because all of those things are empowering and they allow for change to happen over time uh, versus you know, the other side of the story, which is just more negative thoughts, giving power to other people, giving power to the food industry uh, and just continuing to wallow and blame, place blame in every other in every other place um, than where it really needs to be, which is us. You know, I would say the single element for all of the work that I do as a coach comes down to personal responsibility. It's hard. Uh, but it really is about, listen, looking in the mirror and going, OK, you are where you are right now because of the choices you made. So let's let's get to work. Right? That's great. That's great. And um, really, uh, I mean, uh, it, you have explained it so uh, deeply and so easily that it had it. I believe it's very. It has become very easy for people to understand uh, about this aging and the anti-aging thing. So that concludes this enlightening episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And I believe that 
all of our listeners have enjoyed our conversation with remarkable al lehman on embracing the graceful aging the path to healthy aging and also the anti aging strategies so from nutrition and exercise to mindfulness and social connections uh, his insights have actually shed light on the key components of healthy aging and anti aging strategies so uh, listeners like his personal experiences and the expertise have shown us that embracing the aging with a positive mindset can truly lead to a more joyful and the fulfilling life so i encourage you all to explore ai's book age well and feel great the proven path to solving the aging puzzle to delve deeper into the wealth of knowledge he shared with us today so you can find more about ai's work and upcoming projects on his website i'll definitely uh, make sure to mention his website on the sh- uh, show notes so that it becomes easier for you to reach out to him so if you found this episode insightful please subscribe to healthy mind and healthy life and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform your feedback is invaluable and helps us to bring you more empowering content so thank you for joining us on this journey of self discovery and growth and always remember that aging is a natural part of life and by embracing it with the vitality and the enthusiasm we can continue to thrive and make the most of every moment so thank you so much thank you